reached the Entertainment Hotline, a chatter podcast. Listen as celebs dial in to chat with Anita Annabelle. Chatter.com.au and Media Week's Head of Entertainment. Dial 1 for movie stars. Dial 2 for streaming stars. Dial 3 for TV stars. Dial 4 for music stars. Or press 0 to speak with the star of the show herself, Anita. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Entertainment Hotline. I am your host and Head of Entertainment at Media Week and Chatter, Anita Annabelle. From the director and executive producer of Bridesmaids, Paul Feig, season one of Minx received rave reviews having embraced and challenged the cultural stereotypes of the erotic magazine world. Critics raved about the series being entertaining and liberating. Now it's back for season two, streaming in Australia only on Stan. Set in 1970s Los Angeles in the world of erotic magazine publishing, Minx centres around Joyce, played by Ophelia Loverbond, known for Guardians of the Galaxy, an earnest young feminist who joins forces with a low-rent publisher named Doug, is played by Jake Johnson from New Girl, and they create the first erotic magazine for women. In this episode, I had the absolute fortune of chatting with Jake, Ophelia and director Paul Feig about the brand new season. They also spoke about why erotic magazines are an important part of our culture, what it was like learning that they almost weren't going to get another season and who their ultimate mix centrefold would be with hilarious results. The brand new season of Minx premieres July 21 only on Stan. Here's Jake Johnson, Ophelia Loverbond, and director Paul Feig. Hello! Oh. <laughs> I'm sure you've had a lot of Aussies this morning. Had a few. You've had a few? Did everyone tell you it's five o'clock in the morning here? It's five. No, but a few people had mentioned how early it was. Wow. So <laughs> you guys are five in the morning. It's five in the morning. Well, five fifty. It's actually I'd be up anyway this early. Put but um, makeup on at five fifty. I'm impressed. Oh, I wanted to make a little effort for you. Great. <laughs> oh, thank you. That's so so. You guys look great. I'm so thrilled to be chatting to the both of you. Have you guys been to Australia before? No, I would love to. It feels like you really need to be here. We'll come and <laughs> we'll come and stay with you. Yeah, look, you can. One of you can stay on my couch, and I'll give up my bed for one of the other ones. Whoever, whoever ever wants it. But I'm so excited for this second season. This is such a thrill for everybody. I'm going to start with Ophelia. Minx was given a second life. How did that feel for you? Well, it was just. It's just felt like it would have been. It would. It just would have been awful if we hadn't, because we love. We all love doing it, but it never. There was there were a, few, a couple of days when we didn't really know what was happening, but then after that, we we knew that there was a lot of enthusiasm for the show and that it was going to find a new home. So it kind of we had that reassurance quite early on that there was a lot of a lot of enthusiasm behind it and um, support for it. So it wasn't kind of we weren't kind of terrified. Oh my god, what's going to happen to this for too long? Well, that's fabulous. That's so good. And how good that we've got this second season because it's absolutely fabulous. I have binged every single episode. (laughs) And (laughs) Jake, we left off with Doug wanting no part in Minx. So what can we expect now from season two with your character in particular? 
Well, I don't think he, I think he wanted part of Minx. I think Minx didn't want him. So I think he did a selfless move. What a gentleman. What a gentleman. <laughs> what a gentleman. What a gentleman. And he gave it away. Wow. What a guy. Let's not oh forget that part of Doug. Uh, and then I think season two is he regrets it. And I think what we figure out is so do they. <laughs> oh <my gosh>. <laughs> <laughs> So do they. Uh, yeah. They back. They wish the the old dog was back in the barn. Well, you know, I don't agree with all of that, but but do you do yeah, by the end Joyce does kind of think this is turned into a kind of a different beast and they we've they've given away too much creative identity for the money and then you do kind of she says, you know, I wish I preferred it when it was just the two of us. So you kind of use much as they irritate each other. They recognized that it was when it's better when they were kind of at the helm of it. No, no, he's kind of right, not entirely right. <laughs> <laughs> Just even watching you two now, I'm like, the chemistry is amazing. This this professional relationship that you have on the show and also in front of me. What do you think makes this partnership work so much? And Jake, you can go first. I think they both bring something very different to the table. I think Joyce is very idealistic and, you know, intelligent and academic and sees the beauty of feminism and the readers, the few people are going to buy the magazine are going to care about the story. And I think Doug is more about grind and hustle and the sensationalism and the nudity is what's going to bring people. And without the other, there's not that much success. I think mm-hmm. Doug has done a lot of smut without Joyce and he'll make a good living off it. And I think Joyce would be doing some, what in the nineties they called a zine about yeah. feminism <laughs> that would be in a few coffee shops, which would be fine. Yeah. But together they all of a sudden can really compete with the top magazines. And I think fundamentally they understand that they are very strong, but way stronger together. Mm. And Ophelia, Actually, I don't know if you know this, but one of the most topped Googled searches is, is Minx a real magazine? Really? It sure is, which I know that it's based on a ton of feminism magazines of the 70s. Why do you think these are so important, were so important back then and also now? Well, I think they were poor about them because they were sort of centralizing a lot of ideas. I mean, New Age feminism was quite, it was quite nice in the idea of kind of talking groups and women coming together and recognizing, you know, the, the notions of domestic labor and, and gender stereotyping. These were all, these are all kind of words we're so familiar with now, but, but then there wasn't really a centralized movement to recognize that. And, um, you know, the, the whole idea of the personal is polit- political, like that's, these were really, they were, they were complete, they were nascent ideologies. And it was, a, the magazines were a way of kind of transmuting them together and giving you kind of a, a packaged way of understanding them succinctly. We still need them because we've still not achieved the ideas that they're talking about. Um, yeah. And I think the fact that people are Googling, was it real? I think it's because, I mean, Ellen, the writers, they've heavily researched it. I mean, she was inspired by Playgirl magazine, which was a real magazine. Um, and the, the, the kind of the industry that goes into those magazines, the kind of the, all of the other characters in the show, like the kind of the photographers and the models and the, and the managing directors, all this kind of stuff. It's so well researched. I think it, it feels real when you're there. You know, you open up a drawer and there'll be, there'll be kind of a, a, an, a period appropriate um, timestamp on on some magazine. It's just it all feels 
it feels real when you're there acting it. So, I mean, it probably looks real when they're watching it. I mean, it does feel real, real, real. It does feel real. It does feel real when you are watching it. Five o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Jake, I actually want to know, how much of yourself do you see in Doug? We have the same nose. <laughs> Why is this the answer I always get? <laughs> what about personality trait? Uh, I think the connection I have with Doug personally is that uh, we both like the grind and the hustle of business. We both like the gamemanship of it all. Um, I think that's probably all I connect to him on, but I like that he's not shy about loving the hustle and loving the grind. And that's something that I've always loved, but I don't lead out with. I don't think that's the most attractive trait within people, uh, but it is something that I really like. And when I find somebody else who really likes it, we always like talking shadows about it. And I like that Doug sees nothing wrong with it and just peacocks about it. Yeah. He loves it. Loves. And Ophelia, like your character this season, Joyce really comes into her own. She really, really has such a incredible, like blossom, I guess you could say. What was that like kind of having that from season one to now season two? It was definitely a, a challenge because she did feel we, it felt to me like we were exploring a very different side to her that we, that you had only seen kind of tiny little snippets of in season one. Like when she kind of has a one night stand for the first time in season one and she can't believe that she's done that, but she really enjoyed it. And, and there's a scene really early on in season one where Doug sort of says to her, you know, you can, you can be more than one thing. And she's terrified because that's not been her experience, but she's realizing actually I can be more than one thing. And then so in season two, you see that much more explored. Um, but it was a challenge because she felt, it felt like a very different facet of her character to season one that, that, so I had to find, I had to really dig into well, how has that happened? What is she being influenced by? And, and of course, you know, you're not the same person all the time. You, you, you there, we are all, we have different sides of our character then we're not always the same thing um but when it's going to put down written on a page you kind of it, it's amplified but it was it was fun to kind of get, ha, put her in different scenarios and then and then see how she would react when she's kind of when she's kind of um pushed into a slightly more uncomfortable situation instead of kind of shrinking away from it she'd kind of go overboard and double down but then seeing how that kind of derailed her a little bit I, yeah it was it was quite there's a lot of movement in it i actually loved what you said about the one night stand because i think there's that whole thing about being a one night stand is not something that's empowering for women but it actually can be yeah of course it is it's it's having sex yeah exactly <laughs> exactly <Fun>. it's great <laughs> we all know it's great in terms of <laughs> in terms of the ensemble cast what an ensemble cast and elizabeth perkins has joined oh my gosh i'm a, i'm an absolute elizabeth perkins stan from way back the flintstones hello um, <laughs> but what's it like having her join the cast and having that ensemble cast she she's brilliant she's so she's she was so fun right from the beginning. We were all just thrilled to have her part of it. And then one of the very first scenes that we shot, it was um, Oscar and I were doing the scene with, so when Constance is having her photograph taken and she just, 
she kind of laid herself out on the sofa and she had these kind of hand gestures and Oscar and I were just kind of looking at her and looking at each other thinking, oh my God, she's amazing. It was just, it was, it's, it, she's makes bold, funny choices and she's great at, um, she'll deliver the line completely differently from take to take. So it just, she'll elicit a completely different response from you. So you, you just, you kind of juice the scene for, for all it can give you because, because she just throws things at you. I want to know from both of you what your ideal mink centerfold would be. Oh, hmm. my ideal mink centerfold. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. Um, not myself. <laughs> the mink centerfold has to be a man. Uh, mink centerfold. Okay. You Paul, can't be Paul the centerfold. <laughs> Let's get Paul Feig, no clothes, with a martini and a shaker. Yeah. With his gin behind me, with his gin blocking his genitalia. Yeah, strategically placed. <laughs> Let's try that. He has to be wearing his vest, though. He's always wearing yes, a vest. Right. So. Vest, <laughs> socks, nice shoes. Cuffs. A, a cap and a cane. Yeah. I love that. That is the best answer that could have happened. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much. It's been Thanks such a joy. Oh, of course. <laughs> of course. See you later. Hi, Paul. Hello, Anita. Before we start, I just want to show you something, if that's okay. Please. I think you'll be quite thrilled. This, oh, can you see? This is us. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. That was, wait, where was that? It was, it was, it was a that's at the or... races. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, that was so much fun. That was, that was I, so I thought... much fun. It's funny. I literally was going through photos of old photos on my phone and found some pictures of that. Go, that was a really fun time. That <laughs> so was I was such just looking fun at that. Time. The, the thing that was amazing was that I'd interviewed you maybe two weeks earlier on the phone and we'd had the greatest chat. And then I met you at the races. It was just so wonderful. <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to show you that because I'm just so thrilled to be able to chat to you again. When they, they asked me, I was like, Absolutely. But let's talk about <laughs> Mint Season 2 because I know we've got very limited time. So it's yeah. been given a second life by stars. I mean, that must be such a great feeling. Oh, such a relief. You know, there's nothing sadder than when your show goes away. And then this was particularly sad because the show went away when we were a week away from finishing production of season two. <laughs> that was when the plug got pulled. So, you know, we, you know, we had been picked up by HBO Max. And, you know, and, I'll, and I will credit HBO Max. They let us finish the season. They could have easily just said, the plug's pulled, get out, take your movie, you know, take your, your film and go away. But they said, you know, finish production, finish your last week and finish post. So that was great. So at least we had something to to bring to stars and um and we we also knew that stars were very interested in the show they were fans of the show so it felt like we could find it a home but it was still very tense you know you just never know in those situations if you're going to get you know new life i can't believe that they pulled it the week before you finished filming i mean what what's that like on set when you when you find that out it's devastating. I was there that day and you were just trying to keep the cast, you know, upbeat because, you know, your show's gone. But, um, you know, everybody's professional. Everybody understands the business. And, and I do think, you know, being able to rally and, and say, you know, no, no, we're, we'll find a home for this. Don't worry. And, and again, the fact that HBO Max didn't just go like, shut the lights off, everybody out, that, that would have been devastating. I think, you know, because there's nothing worse than, something's almost finished and you're really happy with what you're doing. And then 
you go, nobody can see what we just did. That that's devastating. You know, that's when we used to get like a show pulled on network, you know, when the freaks and geeks got taken down, it's just like, uh, we're gone and nobody's ever going to see it again. I wish we could say that again. That was a brilliant show. Brilliant, brilliant show. That was such a great (laughs) cool project. But I mean, what excites you about this particular project? I just love these characters. I love the story. I, I love what it's about, you know, having grown up in the seventies, I remember when Playgirl magazine came on the scene and my, my cousins, my two female cousins were just all over it and stuff. And, uh, you know, and I remember all the controversy in our house about it because my parents were very conservative and religious and, you know, and it was such a, a big deal. And I just remember going like, what a great world to, to play in. And the fact that it, that it is period, you know, in the seventies. So you can take all the greatest music and styles and fashion and celebrities and references, you know, and pile it in. But at the end of the day, what I love the most is the workplace comedy about a, a bunch of underdogs. And if you look at every movie and TV show I've done, it's always about underdogs because we all feel like underdogs. And those are the stories I want to hear. I, I'm not interested in hearing stories about really successful people who are cool, you know, but that's, what's fun about this new season is that they are actually successful now, but, we got to see them become successful in the first season. And now we get to see how it affects them and how, you know, they kind of, you know, takes the relationships in in many different ways in, in a very fun way. I do love the season two evolution of the characters. I love Ophelia's evolution. Like I love that kind of take on that feminist lens. It's so fabulous to see that she can still be this really serious person, but then live her best life. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, it's so much fun. You know, and that was such a great moment, you know, in season one, like toward, you know, in the last few episodes when she really started to find her confidence. It was so much fun. You know, I mean, that that episode where she's on the radio taking those two DJs down. I remember just like cheering, watching the cut, just going, like, oh, like, yay, Joyce, you're owning it. So that's why that's what's so much fun in this season and just seeing her confidence. And, and then just she and Doug kind of dealing with with Constance, the amazing Elizabeth Perkins, who we are so lucky and honoured to have on the show. Elizabeth Perkins, what an icon. What an icon. I mean, but Doug and Joyce's chemistry on the screen is so brilliant. What do you think makes their partnership work? I, I mean, they're both amazing actors, first of all, and they, 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 their personalities complement each other so well. But what I think was such a stroke of genius uh, on Ellen's behalf, is she said this from day one when we were pitching the original you know, season, this is never going to be a sexual relationship. They're never going to be a flirtation. You're never going to be like, are they on? Are they off? And I think that's great because it just takes all that kind of, you know, tension or easy kind of conflict out of it. And it makes it purely two business people who are friends who really respect each other and like each other, but are also still fighting, fighting for success and fighting to keep the thing that they love. Yeah. I, I think that that just makes it so rich without making it something we've seen before. You know, I, 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 I tell you, any other show would eventually go like, oh, wait, they they have a sexual attraction. Are they going to date or not? And just I just think the show would become boring with that. It's a very clever way to do it because, like, that's so true. You're always expecting your two leads to get together, aren't you? It's like a, it's yeah. a weird... It's a weird dynamic. But back to Elizabeth Perkins, I mean, she was such a great choice for this role. Was there anybody else or was she just like you knew that this was for her? Yeah, I mean, you know, we needed such a specific character, you know, type 
for that role. And, you know, I, I've worked with Elizabeth, you know, on two, you know, I worked on weeds and then she was in Ghostbusters. I love her because of that. Ellen has always been a giant fan of hers. So it really did feel like, I don't know who else we would possibly ask to play this role because Elizabeth is, is so talented and so good as a dramatic actor, but she's also so funny and she can find that humor in a character like that. But she's also, you know, hugely intimidating. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was Constance is scary on the show, but like in a great way, just because you kind of like, she's such a business person that, you know, even though she likes everybody, you go like, yeah, but she could definitely just pull the plug on stuff or, you know, fire somebody immediately. And, and that's the kind of tension and conflict I like, because that that's very relatable to anybody, you know, who works. And it's interesting because she starts off like you, you kind of like, do we trust her or do we not trust her? That's yeah. what's the best kind of, I love that tension as well. Cause you're like, Oh, we love her, but do we, do we love her? Yeah. And, it's just like, it's like doing a thing about spies. You're like, they could be a double agent. You know, you like, just never know. <laughs> so. Exactly. One of the most Googled questions that people ask about the show is, is Minx a real magazine? And I know it's not, but it's really fascinating to me that people really, they, that's what they want to know. So yeah. why do you think these magazines are so important and still are? Well, I mean, you know, I, again, I fell in love with this idea because having grown up and seeing the birth of, of, of Playgirl magazine, I remember what a big deal it was. You know, I, I think it's just cultural touchstone moments and, you know, the magazine world is in a really weird place right now because people don't read magazines the way they used to. Um, mm. You know, the magazine business was like the streamers back in the old day. I mean, you know, it, we showed in you know, that first season of just like that was the thing. Like if you wanted, you know, you wanted a an entity to entertain and inform and get your voice out of the world. It was a magazine. Um, and I kind of hope magazines come back, even though you know, they're not gone, but they're just not, you know you see less people buying big piles of magazines when they go on an airplane, you know, and that's always, always my greatest joy. Like to me, it's not fun reading a magazine on an iPad or whatever, just cause I just like a physical magazine. There's something kind of great about it. So as far as people thinking it's real, I mean, you know, kudos to Ellen and the gang for, uh, for creating it that way, you know, and the show is very heavily based obviously on Playgirl magazine, but we didn't want to get stuck with, you know, doing a biopic about, you know, that because then we couldn't have fun of inventing new characters and having all this stuff. But, you know, it feels very real. It does. And I mean, it just even the sets and the costumes and everything, you really feel like you're there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, you know, having done Freaks and Geeks, you know, I love portraying that era. And what was so fun about this is this was more deep 70s than, you know, Freaks was 80, 1980. And we really got to go heavy in, into the the 70s of it, but at the same time without making it a, a, a cartoon, you know, I mean, that, that's something we always fight for when, when you do a period thing of there's like the, you know, you can make it like everybody's got leisure suits out, you know, you know, the kind of the worst of the fashion versus like, what was the kind of the fun of the fashion? And, you know, there are those leisure suits in there, but they're done in this really fun way that feels really authentic. And let I me mean, look, the 70s is so hot right now in in fashion you know just walk past the the window of uh chanel they're all giant bell bottoms you know and i think it's great because you know and so we i hope we had a little bit of influence on that i don't know but uh you know it, it's just fun to dive into the best of an era's 
references and, and, and kind of, you know, things that they did, touchstones, if you will. It's super, super cool. That's so funny about Chanel. I did not know that the bell bottoms were back, but they're gorgeous. Oh, they're check back, it out. baby. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just saw, I think I also just saw like the Rick Owens fashion show. They're wearing elephant belt. I mean, like the ridiculous elephant bells oh, that we used to wear that. that were so like mopping the floor. So I was like, man, it's back. <laughs> now, before I lose you, I do need to tell you a little uh, tidbit. Uh, Jake and Ophelia, I did not expect this from them and they're very cheeky, but I asked them what their ideal centerfold would be, their <laughs> ideal mink centerfold. And you can bet that they said you. <laughs> oh my God! Really? Wow! Uh, I don't. I don't. All I can say is the world could not unsee that if they saw that. So uh, <laughs> thank God they're not. Thank God they're not really in charge of anything. <laughs> I did say to them that you would be needing to wear your two piece, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'd be wearing a giant trash bag. I'll let you know. <laughs> no, that was very cheeky of them. I know that. Yeah, but this is hilarious. so exciting. Thank you so much for for chatting to me. I mean, I wish I could talk for a lot longer but it's just been so thrill of my life to be able to chat to you twice oh my goodness oh my gosh. thank you Anita I, I, no it's great to see you again and then yeah. I'm a huge I'm a huge Stan fan so hello Stan you Kathy come back? one of my best friends in the world yeah I hope oh, so that's yeah. right yeah, yeah I got a we lot of would awesome love friends. to have we'd love to have you back it's um it's it's very sad without you here <laughs> Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm on my way. <laughs> <laughs> Just get on the plane right now. Oh, thank you so much. Well, I hope you have a beautiful day, and um, I'm sure we'll see you again soon. Thanks, Anita, and get some sleep. Okay. Thank you for getting up so early. Thanks for calling the Entertainment Hotline with Anita Annabelle. You can find us on Instagram at the Entertainment underscore Hotline Pod, or visit us at chatter.com.au. The Entertainment Hotline with Anita Annabelle is a proud Chatter podcast. 